is up? Welcome in. It's Talking Flock, a full mingo podcast talking everything forward Madison FC. How's it going? My name is Jeremy Rushing for episode 31 and alongside me as he's been for all the previous 30 episodes. I believe you haven't missed an episode, Rob. Uh, it's Rob Chapel from Madison 365. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. It was uh, an uneventful, a mostly uneventful week on the Ford Madison front. Obviously, you had the battle for Madison, which some people may disagree with me and say that that was eventful enough. But um, <laughs> it was not a competitive league match. So it may be uh, an opportunity for some Mingo fans to take an early season deep breath, exhale mm-hmm. off of the uh, off of the open cup match with uh, Minnesota United, which we will get to both of those in yep. just a little bit. But first, got to let you know, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do. Um, this is interesting. I actually found this out, like the charts on Apple Podcasts, Rob. Yeah. Um, ratings and reviews are big for those, but actually, like, it's really like the number of subscribers. Like, if you increase oh. a lot in subscribers, you're going to move mm-hmm. up that chart pretty quickly. So, if you like seeing the Talk and Flock podcast up high in the Apple Podcast soccer charts, uh, tell some friends and ask them to tell some friends and ask them to tell some friends to subscribe to Talking Flock and maybe we can uh, ascend that ladder a little bit more. Maybe if we start referring to the Apple Podcast charts as the table. The table. Oh, we want to move up in the table. Yes. It's going to help us move up in the table. Yeah, we got to get top. We want to get top 50 in the table. Otherwise, we get relegated. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) otherwise, we'll become the Evertonian podcast and be relegated. Oh, you had to pick that up, didn't you? You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm smiling to keep from crying at this point, mm-hmm. Rob. That's what I'm doing. Uh, but anyways, uh, also leave us a rating and review. If you haven't left us your feedback on the podcast, we'd love to hear that wherever you get your podcasts as well. You can also follow us on Twitter at Talkin Flock. Yes, it was a bowing out in the U.S. Open Cup. Mm-hmm. It was not a Union Omaha or a Northern Colorado situation, although the Mingos did play their MLS foe pretty tough in Minnesota United in a two nil loss um, at Bree Stevens, you know, the weather conditions probably could not have been, I, I, I shouldn't say could not have been worse. They could have definitely been worse, but for mid April um, it's, it's not, not ideal. Yeah. Not ideal. No, it was bad. It was, it was not as bad as I expected it to be to begin the match, but by about the 20th minute, it was pretty miserable and cold and raining and gross. (laughs) Yes. Um, one of the things that stood out in the initial team shoot was no Derek Gebhard. Mm-hmm. And uh, we found out later it was not a healthy scratch situation. It was not a uh, not a give him a match off type situation. He has uh, been seen in a walking boot. He has. So that's not optim- – it doesn't, you know, doesn't bode well for optimism regarding yeah, – Yeah, and, and I, I, you had to kind of assume that the team didn't say anything, but – uh, but you had to assume that it was an injury situation. You, you don't think Matt's going to put out a lineup against Minnesota United without Derek Gebhardt in it. And, you know, I wonder if the, I mean, uh, Roger Smith had a great night, uh, but if you had two sets of fresh legs at that right way back position, you know, and you have a Derek Gebhardt who's got that experience, um, you know, maybe, maybe this game will goes differently. Although you have to say the game, like you said, the game actually went pretty well for Madison. Yeah. Uh, right. You, you, well, first of all, let's mention, that Minnesota United uh, seemed to take this game seriously, right? It wasn't yeah. the entire A squad. You didn't, I don't think Laud was here, but he, but Rakapani was here. He got in the game. Adrian Onu was here. Uh, you know, Adrian Heath 
you know, said what everybody says that, oh, we take it as seriously as any other game. But I, I think he meant it. I mean, he did. Yeah, he, absolutely. Which, which is a tremendous compliment to Matt Glazer and Madison that, that they weren't overlooking this game. Um, and, um, you know, they were playing hard. They were playing to win it. And, you know, they did. Uh, but Madison showed themselves out pretty well, I think. They uh, they, absolutely. They, uh, they did not get a shot on goal, which is okay, because they, their, their tactical uh, – decision was clear that we're going to defend 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 and try mm. to spring a counter or get this to penalties right yep and uh they did that well and they they did not allow a goal in the run of play which i think is you know a, a victory of sorts right if the, if your if your tactical uh decision is to defend and not allow a goal in the run of play and then you don't then that's you, you know you take something from that uh, and they did actually come out pretty fast and, and looked really strong in the first 10 or 15 minutes. Um, mm. We're actually controlling the midfield uh, for that time. Um, second straight game, they've done that after a few games where they started a little bit more lackluster. Um, and, uh, uh, and and to go with the really well good defending, uh, Phil Brino has to be like, you know what? I made a point-blank save on Adrian Onu. Yeah. Which he did, which was fantastic. And he had a couple of couple of very nice ones to keep mm-hmm. it level, uh, and you feel like going level zero zero into the half. You feel you're still in that place where anything can happen. Oh, absolutely, especially right? in those weather conditions, and especially yeah. it's like you never know which way the ball is going to balance. You never know um, yep. what's going to what's going to come your way. And I think yep. um, to that point, Ford Madison did an excellent job of weathering the Minnesota United sort of storm uh, it wasn't really a storm yeah. it was it was more of a i don't even know but they had a few really really good opportunities in the first half mm-hmm. now ford madison was able through last ditch defending and great goalkeeping as you mentioned was able to keep out of the back of the net um and when you when you can do that when you can sort of take a team's best punch and still stay standing you put yourself in a really good position where the later yeah. the, the match goes and the more opportunities and the, and the worse the pitch gets and the worse, the worse, mm-hmm. the weather conditions get and, that equalizer continues to grow and grow and grow that equalizing factor. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you also start to frustrate the MLS side who feels yeah. like we should be winning this and we're not. And, and you know, you can get in their heads a little bit, but yeah, we absolutely. also should, we also should mention from that first half though, Andrew Wheeler, I'm went out about a half hour in with uh, mm-hmm. what seems to be a significant injury uh, mm-hmm. to an ankle uh, or foot. Um, after the match, Matt said his leg was in bad shape. Was n- There's no foul calls on the tackle, uh, but he was out of the game a half hour in. And that's, he's a big, big piece in our oh, midfield. Yeah. So uh, Mikey Maldonado moved over to the six. Justin Suko came in to that left wing back where uh, position where Mikey had been. And both of those guys played really well. Mike Maldonado stepped in nicely to that sixth spot, but you could definitely mm-hmm. still feel the loss of that of that professional experience that Wheels brings, right? So that was an unfortunate um, that you would Derek out, and then Wheels goes down. You're already, and, and you're still playing toe to toe with an MLS side. So that's you know pretty good. Yeah, and ultimately the deciding factor, obviously, in addition to the the set piece goals, which we'll get to in a minute, was yeah. the fact that. You're playing, even with from MLS standards, you're playing a pretty darn good defensive unit in Minnesota United. Oh, sure. Um, yep. And it, it was always going to be tough 
to break mm-hmm. through and try to get something mm-hmm. on that defense. You would have probably would have had to take it to extra time or penalties if you wanted an opportunity to win, if you're Madison again, with the caveat that anything can happen in the weather conditions and things like that. But, um, and, and to provide even a little bit more context, yes, Minnesota denied Minnesota United did not play their starting 11. They played sort of their 1.5 team. If you want to call <laughs> yeah. that, uh-huh. but even their reserves are doing really well in MLS mm-hmm. next pro. The they two are. straight really four nil wins in yes. MLS Next Pro competition for the Minnesota United reserves, and so that is sort of something to take away too. Is that um, you know you're just playing an all around good squad in Minnesota mm-hmm. and a squad that, and we'll talk to the we'll you know provide a little bit more on this with Drew Connor, who is our interview guest this week in mm-hmm. just a little bit. But you sort of weren't after the Chicago loss to Omaha. There is a very small chance yeah. that Madison was going to fly under the radar and surprise. <laughs> yeah. In this yeah. We weren't going to surprise anybody after that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was really going to be, you're going to get Minnesota United's best punch. You're going to yep. get their best, their, their best effort. They, they possibly give in this match. Um, and all in all stood toe to toe, a couple set piece goals was the, uh, was the difference. Mm-hmm. But I think something to come out of, obviously worried about the injuries and things like that. But all in all, I think really, really proud effort from, yeah. from the and, Mingos. And that's, and that's what, that's what Matt said after the game that everybody worked their socks off. He said that about four times in the post game press conference, which is great. Uh, and, and um, he was really proud of the guys and they, and you know, at a certain point, you're like, these guys are professional. So like you, boy, you guys sure tried hard to, you know, isn't exactly what you want to hear. They wanted to win. They actually felt like they could have won this game. Uh, or mm-hmm. at least got it to extra time and, you know, where anything can happen. Um, but, but all that said, they did put in a hell of a shift and, you know, we're, we're pushing it for 90 minutes. Um, and Matt was, that was pushing too. I mean, they, they did get the uh, Minnesota got the goal in a, like, the, I think at the 51st minute or so, Adrian knew, of course, scores on the corner at the far post, uh, just a very simple set piece header into the goal. Um and then after that, Matt brought in basically three forwards. He had Nazim Bartman, Abdul Bakijam, and Jeremiah Strang all on the field at the same time, which I don't think we've seen that. I don't, I'm not sure we'll see that again no. this season. I mean, Matt was like, you know what? We're going to go for this, which yeah. I love to see. I mean, it's optimistic. It's aggressive. Uh, you take out uh, a more defensive-minded person like Christian Enriquez. Who, and, 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 but it, with him, you know, you lose 2-0, 3-0. It's the same as losing 1-0 in a cup mm-hmm. competition. So – Go for it, and they were going for it, and I love to see that. Um, we 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 got our first look at a couple of guys. We got our first look at Alvin Jones, who looked uh, really solid uh, late late in the match uh, in in the sort of uh, right wing back position. Um, and uh, we got our first look at Drew Connor, who brought in a ton of energy. He was he had a motor. He was going. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a short debut, as uh, <laughs> uh, he Say made it. <laughs> He made an impact, as you'll hear him say in the interview, he wanted to make an impact. And he made an impact on a Minnesota United player and was shown a red card for it. Uh, so, I mean, on the field, I was kind of on the other side of the field. I was on the, the, the press box side of the field. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was a hard challenge. He came in fast and low. And as soon as the ref pulled out a red card, I assumed it must have been studs up. I, I couldn't see his shoes. Uh, mm-hmm. But looking at the replay from the other side, it, uh, that wasn't a red card to me. Uh, yellow probably but that, that mm. wasn't the studs weren't up it wasn't that cynical uh, but in any case we're playing the last 
15 or 16 minutes down to 10. And uh, a few minutes after that in the 81st, uh, we're pushing for an equalizer. We give up a corner. Brent Coleman scores. Very similar looking goal to Adrian Onus, except at the near post. Uh, yep. And and that was it. And and we have to mention, if I tell me if I'm mistaken, but I think every all but one of the goals that Fort Madison has given up has either been on, directly on a set piece, or on like the second wave after a set piece after they don't clear a set piece all the way. That's if you kind of throw in a deep throw in as a set piece, which technically maybe not, but. The fact is that that's that defending a set piece and, and not switching off after the first clearance of the set piece, mm. really something that Madison's got to work on. And they will. They know that. I'm not saying anything mm. they don't know. Um, but if you play against an MLS side, an MLS side who's ready for you, who's taking you seriously, and what you come away with is we got to work on defending set pieces. Like, I think you can feel good about that still. Yeah. Right? I do too. And again, it's a situation where you weren't going to surprise this team. You showed yourself right. well. You yep. don't give up a goal in the run of play. It just two set piece goals, which has kind of been your Achilles heel this season, as we've mentioned. Yep. So it, it gives you something to look at and say, you, you come out of the match with a clear like path forward, right? Yeah. We got to work on set yeah. pieces, right? And a lot of it's confidence. not like, well, everything sucks, so we got to work on everything. you come with like you know what we have this chink in our armor every team Mm -hmm. has one right no matter what it is even if you're omaha you have a chink in your armor um and you you have have a clear path and a clear you know uh strategy for how you're going to work on and how you're going to improve that and i think that's 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 a good spot to be in april 26th as we're recording 27th as you're probably listening that's a that's an okay spot to be in Mm -hmm. um now, they always say that games like this are a chance for the guys on the lower level side to kind of showcase themselves in front of an MLS coaching staff. I, who knows if anything actually ever comes of that. But mm-hmm. having watched this game, if it, it, did you notice anybody from Ford Madison who you could say, like, that, might, that guy might have caught Adrian's attention? I mean, I think the best player on the field for Madison far and away was Eric Leonard. Um, yeah, 100% agree. That's exactly what I was Oh, my say. gosh. I mean, his impact on the match from that center back spot was un- unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil Barino as well, really sure. impressed with, with the way he handled things. And like you said, a couple point blank saves to keep Madison in the match. Yeah. Um, so those were the two that impressed me the most. Did they impress Adrian Heath? Probably. Did they impress the Minnesota United coaching staff enough to give him a look and a future trial or whatever yes. it is? Who knows? But those were the two that really, really stood out to me. On Leonard's side, it it might not do him any favors that he doesn't necessarily, he's not a youth, you know, he's not a (laughs) 23-year-old who had that sort of performance. And it's like, oh, maybe we can bring this guy in and do something. Kind of on the, you know, the older, you know, not not, he's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but he is sort of on that back-end type uh, (laughs) type trajectory. So, um, yeah, so, but he was the most one of the most impressive players on the entire pitch for either team from my vantage point and I, I was watching too. this match so mm-hmm. i mean we'll get we'll get to our shout outs later but i can't yeah. mention him enough like my yep. goodness hell of a night for him mm-hmm. absolutely um so 
Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've probably beat the dead horse on this yeah. multiple times, but I think if you're a Ford Madison fan, you're feeling good coming out of the Minnesota United match. Like, you know what? It was it was competitive. We didn't get the doors blown off. We looked we looked competitive. We looked like we belonged on the field against this team. Yep. Um, and that's, I think, if you're a Ford Madison fan, obviously you want to win. You want to go in. You're envisioning this scenario where Ford Madison comes away with this really muddy, gritty – U.S. Open Cup win against an MLS team and put some, you know, whatever. Like, you're envisioning that scenario as a supporter and as a fan as you're going sure. to match. Like, but realistically, what you want is just to be competitive. You don't want to stand there in the rain and the cold and watch a 4-0 blowout, right? Yep. You want Which, the team there were a couple of those. Team. There yep. were a couple of those this round. There were a couple of pretty yep. lopsided matches this round, and we were not on the receiving end of one, so that was great. No, it was competitive, and it was mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I think every four Madison fan, player, member of the organization can be proud coming yeah. out of that one that they really showed themselves well. And USL League One as a whole is showing themselves well. And really I well. do, I do think even though they didn't win, Ford Madison sort of was one of those teams that yeah. stands out as showing themselves well from the league. So I'm yeah. really interested to to see just from a broader perspective. We don't have to get into this too much. Is how this impacts the Open Cup moving forward. A how serious MLS teams take lower level competition in the early rounds, but B just how overall will the level of competition in these early rounds with lower Mm -hmm. league teams playing tier one teams, will that level of competition continue to get more and more fierce as we move forward in, in open cup years, that'll be something to um, obviously keep an eye on, but um, all in all, you know, great, great night. I think for the history of forward Madison, um, yep. to host that match an MLS team in a competitive environment. And um, hopefully it's the first of many. And, and uh, almost 2,700 people came out and stood in the rain. I think yep. there were a lot of people who bought tickets and didn't. Uh, I don't know about a lot of people, but some who bought tickets and did not brave the elements, but an awful lot did. And they were in full voice and it was really a, a fun atmosphere, even though it was freezing. <laughs> it was. Yeah. All right. Should we talk about the uh, battle of Madison here, Rob? In much better conditions, a very beautiful yes. evening Saturday to welcome the guys from across the isthmus, uh, UW versus uh, Port Madison in the annual battle for Madison, the friendly. Uh, I don't, you know, you don't really put a lot of stock in the result. It was a 1-1 draw. It was nice to see Abdu Bakijam on the score sheet finally. Yeah. Um, we did get two separate reports from Twitter users, alert Twitter followers, that both Derek Ebhard and uh, AWOG, Andrew Weaver, Amanu were um, in walking boots, we're at the match, but in walking boots, uh, which explains Derek's absence, and then also <clears throat> gives us a bit of a hint as to the, how bad Andrew's uh, ankle injury is. Uh, but also, Mele Tumguia got his first action, um, so he's getting at least close to match fit. We might see him in a league match pretty soon. Um, and also, looking at the the trialists they had, or the guest, I don't know if these are trialists or guest players. It's a, probably a mix, but. Um, Big shout out to Eric Anderson, Wisconsin Soccer Central, for helping me figure out who these guys were. Uh, but uh, former UW midfielder, grad transfer Kyle McCurley started for the Bingos, as did Taylor Pill, who played for the 56ers in the NPSL days uh, and then with Bavarians. And he actually played with the Wave, Milwaukee Wave, over the winter. Um, and he was he actually played for Madison in June of 2019 in a friendly. It must it, That might have been against Minnesota United, maybe. Mm-hmm. In that if it was June of 2019, it's a very, very good 
<laughs> good chance that was the yeah that was the Minnesota United. I'm not sure if they had any other friendlies that month, but that was definitely Minnesota. I don't think so, but it's long, it was a while ago now. Coltrane Libreglio is a goalkeeper, played for Madison West and Oregon High School. Uh, I I think that was him training with the club uh, ahead of the four, uh, Minnesota United match. So I, uh, and he got mm-hmm. some play time. Uh, but the one that really uh, sort of piqued my interest uh, was Osvaldo Ramirez. Uh, he's from West Pier, Wisconsin. He's uh, he's a number nine. He's a pure striker. Uh, he he's played in 2021 with York United in the Canadian Premier League, and uh, whole, a lot of clubs in Mexico before that. Uh, his best season was 2018-19 for Unach in the Mexican Second Division. Uh, he scores 15 goals in 29 games. That's a pretty wow. good stretch. Yeah. Uh, so, but I wonder. I, I don't. You don't want to read too much into this stuff, but I wonder. You know, you got a couple of midfielders. Maybe you're looking for depth. Uh, but you bring in a number nine like that. Uh, I wonder if Matt is feeling like they're not quite settled yet at the number nine spot. You know, Dakizam has not scored in league play yet. Uh, Strang has, um, but and Bartman is is kind of, is, strikes me the way I've seen him play. He's more of a number ten uh, mm-hmm. than a, than a sure. pure, pure nine. So, <clears throat> so maybe maybe we'll see uh, you know another. Another new, uh, we'll get a, a Ryan Sierkowski situation where we get another big number nine in, uh, probably through the season. Yeah, I mean, it's early, right? You don't want to pull any fire alarms or any panic oh, buttons no, no. No, no. just yet, but at the same time, they haven't exactly blown the doors off of other teams, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there hasn't necessarily been that offensive breakout that you know we were hoping that we would see. Yeah. Again, not that it's not going to happen, but we just haven't seen it yet. So, yeah, maybe they do, do need a little least at the very least, maybe an injection of continued competition. Sure. Uh, up top. Yeah. Well, um, so we'll be interesting to see what kind of role Ramirez plays with the team, if any, moving forward. Yep. So now we move on. Central Valley Fuego is the opponent on Saturday. It's an early start. 5 p.m. Yep. at Bree Stevens. So you get home and plenty of time to, uh, you know, not, I don't know. I, I don't know where I was going with that, but you get home earlier than you normally would. <laughs> uh, um, so that'll be, I think, uh, I mean, those like early afternoon games, I, I always appreciate. It's nice not getting home, you know, getting home earlier than like yeah. 10, 30, yeah, yeah. 11 o'clock on a, on a Saturday night. Yeah. Um, but anyways, and then you follow that up with two away matches. May 7th, mm-hmm. you're at Richmond, currently the league leaders, top the table, mm-hmm. to renew the Henny Derby for 2022. And then uh, Friday the 13th, spooky, uh, <laughs> at Greenville. Uh, so two away matches. This is the last uh, last home match this Saturday for uh, more than three weeks. Yep. So definitely uh, go out and support if you can. Um, weather's not looking great uh for saturday in madison but it's not looking as terrible as it was no. there are thunderstorms in the forecast for the exact time that the game's supposed to go on as of right now so we'll uh we will see but um yeah i think uh you know saturday late afternoon early evening a good opportunity to go out and support the mingos and a, and a really exciting matchup i mean central valley fuego has been if nothing you know um at the very least an exciting team Exciting yeah. new addition to USL League One this season. So mm-hmm. um, there is the potential for fireworks in that match for sure. Yeah, it'll be a fun one. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that. And you got that, that Fuego side that is you know, has that legacy from Fresno. You got Martin Vasquez now uh, will be on the sideline for them. Um, they they started out really well. That they're 
the last match, they, they looked human. We'll get through that as we took go through the league. They did look human this past weekend. Uh, so it'll be a it'll be a fun one. So I hope everybody comes out. All right. So we're going around the league and we're doing this now in sort of two waves here. We're going to start by sure. going through USL League One clubs in the US Open Cup. And um, now, granted, we're talking about the USL League One here, team here in Richmond, but also want to give a shout out to their opponent, North Carolina Fusion U23s. Hmm. Um, Richmond won this game 1 0, but it was a 119th minute winner for the kickers. Yeah. Um, the USL League Two amateur side. In the the Fusion U23s almost took a third round match to penalties. Yeah. Uh, very, very cool uh, story for them, obviously. And yeah. the kickers, as we mentioned, no joke, they're atop the, the League One table right now. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it's just one of those cool potential, you know, stories of the Open Cup that you really don't get in any other type of tournament. That's that's why this tournament is so great. And we should mention who else could it possibly be that scored that one? Here we winner? go. Then Emiliano Tazagi. Yeah, you can almost say it all together now. Emiliano <laughs> Tazagi, because yep. anytime we talk about Richmond, it's his freaking name. Yeah, his name's gonna time. come up again pretty soon here. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Hopefully yeah. not. Hopefully we don't have to say his name. Uh, when we uh, break down Ford Madison's match against Richmond. But, right. No, um, yeah, we'll see. Anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, Greenville gave Charlotte FC all they could handle. Um, and it was our old friend Jake Keegan who actually got an equalizer for the triumph um, about the 60th minute mark. Um, and it went to extra time. But Charlotte and Harrison, a fool, get the winner in the 105th minute to move Charlotte on and oust Greenville. But again, just another USL League One side that that take that takes an MLS side to the absolute brink. Yep, and that's absolutely continued uh, continued awesomeness there. Speaking of awesomeness, in front of nearly eighteen thousand people in Sandy, Utah, RSL breaking their their own record for US Open Cup attendance in a match. Oh, did they really? Wow. Yeah. Um, and I have to imagine credit to Northern Colorado contingent too. I have to imagine a lot of that was due to their traveling contingent too. Sure. Um, but it was one nil Northern Colorado over RSL um, Robert Cornwall with just an unreal winner in the yeah. 70th minute. Um, aside from um, Minneapolis city, uh, star Lionel Vang's banger against Des Moines in the that opening was a good round. One. That was a good probably one. my favorite goal of the tournament so far, and maybe mm-hmm. the goal of the tournament so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it was their only shot on goal, Northern Colorado, but they uh, they make well, it they count it. and get it done. Yep. Uh, Central Valley Fuego falls to Sacramento Public two one. It was a heartbreaker for the Fuego. Uh, Renato Bustamante equalized uh, for Central Valley in the seventy sixth. But Sacramento Republic were given a penalty. It was the right call. Yeah, you don't want to quibble over the call. But they were given a penalty five minutes into stoppage time, and converted it uh, to win that one. Uh, South Georgia Tormenta, another one over Championship uh, side in Birmingham Legion. Uh, Birmingham Legion. Birmingham Legion. Uh, <laughs> Two nil. Uh, Birmingham had like sixty four percent of possession and twenty shots, five of them on goal. Uh, but none of them went in, and Tormenta scored two at the end of the first half, and that lead stood up for the for the second 45, and they move on. Um, the FC Tucson falls out of the tournament to Nisa side California United Strikers two to one. 
Giovanni Calixto scored for Tucson, uh, but uh, that California United got goals from Omar Nuno and uh, Kawashima in stoppage time to seal it. And then the big one that we talked about actually on the podcast last week because it was happening while we were recording. Yes. Union Omaha. <laughs> this is a classic. This If the if ESPN Classic was still a thing, this would be an instant classic. For sure. Uh, Rafael Chichos scored on a penalty in the 53rd for Chicago. Noe Meza answered uh, 15 minutes later, and then we went to extra time. Chichos on another penalty in the 115th, and then Alex Touche equalized at the very death of extra time to send it to penalties. And then uh, our old friend Rashid knew who came up huge with a save on the fifth one from Chicago. And then uh, Akoff scored the penalty to, to, to win it for Omaha. Just an unreal in soldier field with about 12 fans there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, pretty sure Omaha brought, I'm pretty sure Omaha had more fans in the stadium in, in soldier oh, field. Guaranteed. Than Chicago fire did, which is unfortunate. Guaranteed. I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit more with drew in a yeah. little bit, but. Uh, yeah, the state of fandom for Chicago soccer right now is is, is not in a good spot. So hopefully they can do something. But um, anyways, um, so that's what happened in the Open Cup. Obviously, USL League One just just really performing very, very well for themselves mm-hmm. in the tournament. And obviously, as you head to the fourth round, you got two League One sides or three, three League One sides. Yeah, three League One sides, I believe, that so are still – Still in it, so very, very cool and, to see. And a, and a Nisa side, there, there are four and a Nisa side, yeah. The third division, third division well represented. yeah, absolutely. Um, and it almost had four third division teams with St. Louis City. Um, they're right. their MLS next pro side almost advancing, but they uh, right. unfortunately right. did not. Um, all right, so now to USL League One play over the weekend. Obviously, no mm-hmm. forward Madison game with the friendly against UW Madison. Uh, Tormenta two, Greenville nil. Klingsford Ajay and Arthur Basua with two first half goals for Tormenta to get it done. Uh, they blank Greenville. Very impressive performance from South Georgia. Um, speaking of blanking, Omaha 3-0 win over Central Valley Fuego. The Owls, while not currently at the top of the table, solidifying themselves as um, still the team to beat, I, I yep. think, in USL League One. It's Hugo Kamatani with another for Omaha, followed by a 90th minute goal to seal it from Kamal Malcolm. And uh, a stoppage time penalty, uh, just to add the icing on, on the cake there. And the three, I tell you what, Hugo Kamatani is going to be a problem in this yeah. league. He's, yeah. he's a new face, this is his first pro contract. He is going to be a problem, yeah, absolutely. Maybe not in the league very long either, uh, <laughs> <laughs> depending, uh, depending, you know, just considering how Omaha likes to churn and burn players. Um, yeah. FC Tucson gets a big win over the Chattanooga, over Chattanooga Red Wolves. Three to two. Um, Daniel Bedoya converting a stoppage time penalty to win it for Tucson and give them the dub. Um, so Tucson, after an eh season last year, um, really, looking good. Uh, yeah, looking pretty good so far. I've seen a good run in the Open Cup, as we mentioned, and um, you know, some good results so far in uh, in league play. So um, we'll see if they can keep that momentum rolling. Um, Richmond solidifying their top of the table spot by beating. Fellow table toppers, well, no longer table toppers now. Uh, Charlotte Independence, as Richmond got the job done against them, two to one. A rare Monday match mm-hmm. for the league. Um, I mean, all together now, who scored for Richmond? Emiliano Terzaghi. <laughs> I mean, he's he's you know probably got to be the uh, the front runner for the Golden Boot at this point. I don't know where right, the, yeah. the goal scoring stats lie for individuals in League One right now. I don't have that in front of me, but I have to imagine he's at or near the top. 
Um, yep. Six minute goal for him. And then Shalom uh, duty uh, equalized 30 minutes later. Um, and then Matthew Bentley got the winner before the hour mark uh, to give the kickers that two, one win. Um, and then going around Wisconsin here, um, Isthmus city four round Lake evolution one. Um, and then shorthanded Bavarians two to one win over the Chicago thunder and then United Serbian, uh, they play to a nil, nil draw over FC Trizub out of Chicago as well. So some lower league action starting to take shape in and around Wisconsin, uh, the region two amateur cup for the USASA off and running as well, both the United Serbians and Bavarians both got uh, buys in that tournament, uh, but they will be taking action here uh, in the next couple of weeks, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so that'll be, that'll be fun to keep an eye on as the lower league seasons. Now the amateur seasons are going to start ramping up here in the next week or so. So it's going to be a lot more around Wisconsin to talk about uh, yep. as we move forward there. All right. Should we get into the interview, Rob? Let's do it. Let's bring in Mr. Drew Connor. Yeah, good stuff here from Drew. Hope you enjoy the interview. And then uh, Rob and I will be back on the other side, as always, with our Flamingo shout-outs and a fun fact to finish things off. And joining the show this evening... Sorry, I'm going to do that again. I don't say this evening. That was stupid. Okay, three, two, one. And joining the podcast, former Badger, current Mingo, Drew Connor. How you doing, Drew? Fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. Now, the first and most important question... Uh, that was not a red card worthy foul, was it? I don't think so. What do you, <laughs> what do you guys think? think? <laughs> I couldn't. I, I it, you you came in hard and fast. We'll say that. I I, I was on kind of the other side of the field, uh, and was a little surprised to see it. Looking at it on replay, I don't see it. Yeah, sometimes Definitely. referees they get a little bit emotional. You know, <laughs> they get they get caught up no. in the in the heat of the moment, and uh-huh. you know. <laughs> but uh no it happens man it's uh look it's not it's not the way i wanted uh the club to see my first minutes as a, as a mingo but <laughs> well i mean maybe there's maybe there's some credibility there like maybe you're just proving yourself as a as a hard-nosed hard-charging yeah guy. i mean I look, that's um <laughs> that's one side of my game right you guys definitely yep. saw that side of my game so mm-hmm. we got that out of the way and uh yeah, no, hopefully now we can play some uh, some pretty football. You just wanted to make sure you're on the stat sheet, Drew. That's 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 what it comes down <laughs> to. I, I understand. You want to make an impact. You got to give the game what it needs. The game didn't have a red card yet, and so I found I, okay. I, I found a, I found a way to uh, make an impact. There you go, <laughs> make an impact. You definitely made an impact. Uh, okay, going going a little beyond that. You're a, a you're a Chicago guy, right? You played for the Fire Youth all the way through there. You played for the Chicago Fire the MLS side. Uh, and then last year you were with Chicago House, which is a new a new club. Uh, a lot of soccer culture in Chicago, as we know. Um, how, how does the how does that soccer culture in Chicago compare to other places you've been? Indiana, Indiana, uh, Indianapolis, St. Louis, here in Madison. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Chicago as the city is such a is such a hotbed, especially for like youth talent, you know and. Mm-hmm. The fire obviously have a rich history, but then you go down to like Indiana, you know, and you think, Oh, maybe not as much, but you got IU there. Um, yeah. You know, you have Carmel, which formerly Carmel United now Chicago fire, Indiana, Chicago fire, whatever they call it now. Right. Um, 
and you know and with indy 11 now it's like there's there's a great soccer culture in indianapolis um the fans are fantastic i think uh obviously the rich culture of like iu soccer um you know i I think a lot of like kids that grow up playing soccer in state aspire to go to their their state school which i think is different than like illinois it's like there is no illinois soccer program right so it's like Mm -hmm. where do you go do you go to uic do you go to depaul do you go to loyola none of those programs have really like done anything yet so from like the youth to college aspect um there seems to be like a disconnect there of course now Mm -hmm. college soccer's changing and kids are going pro younger so you know that conversation shifts a little bit but um yeah man it's uh Look, uh, Chicago, it's, it's, that's home for me. And I'm always going to be a little bit biased to the, to the culture there, especially growing up, going to fire games as a kid. Um, but it's cool, man. It's cool being able to play different places and see it grow kind of everywhere I go. Uh, speaking of that, it has grown here in Madison. What's it like being back after being away for a few years? You graduated, what, 2015? Is that right? I left in 2015. I didn't graduate. Okay. Then graduate. I have 20, <laughs> 20 credits left, um, and I'm looking forward to uh, knocking some of that out online this year. Nice. Um, nice. That was always kind of when, – when Ford Madison came into the fold, it, I always kind of thought, oh, wouldn't that be cool to, to go back and play there someday and mm-hmm. also maybe finish my degree. Um, awesome. But yeah, as soon as, as soon as Ford Madison became a club, I think I was – just leaving to go play in Czech Republic. And uh-huh. um, I actually ordered, I bought a Jersey. It was the white oh, nice. one with the, with the blue across the chest, mm-hmm. with the little pink flamingos on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember thinking, this is so cool. Like, uh, and I, you know, I have, uh, you know, deep love for Madison and um, as special place in my heart. So I just thought the the team was so cool and you guys came so hot out of the gate as a, as a brand mm-hmm. and obviously now um you know i think with what matt and the staff are trying to do is is match match that brand with with winning and with uh mm-hmm. with results on the field and kind of give it the full package so how was that connection made with with matt then to return to madison i mean did he reach out to you did you sort of being that you kind of again had that i guess interest in forward madison since the beginning did you sort of make that contact how was that how was that connection made to uh, to kind of kickstart your i return? mean yeah i think there's a there was a bunch of different there was a bunch of different connections here i, I knew a couple of the guys on the team like i had played with mitch osmond right um keith Timeyer, who's now the gm used to be my assistant coach and was the guy who took me around on my first recruiting trip to wisconsin um, so there were like a lot of touch points um, mm-hmm. within the club and like within the community. Um, and so I obviously got in touch with Matt and I loved, I loved his vision and his ambition for the club. Uh, and I think when you're in a position like myself where you've been playing for so many years, um, you have to find, you have to find reasons to like keep going and to keep playing. Cause it's tough. Like it's tough on your body. It's tough on your mentality. You obviously know in the back of your mind, you can't play forever. So you have to find like a why, you know, um, when I went to, when I went to play with Chicago house, the why was to start something new and to be a part of 
the birth of a, of a new club. Um, and now like my why with Madison is, is to win a championship and to bring my kind of like my soccer journey full circle kind of back where it started when I came here for college. Um, and so, yeah, I just loved his, his ambition and his vision for the club. And I think the team that he was putting together was really impressive. Um, and so it kind of like made it easy for me to want to come play here. Um, get, getting back to that Minnesota United match, we were joking about it a little bit before, but you did put in you know some minutes uh, and that was your first competitive uh, minutes here with the, with board Madison because uh, you've been, you know, nursing that injury how did it feel to be back out there in that sloppiness <laughs> did, did everything feeling like you're uh, good to go back up and running yeah yeah the the training staff has done a really good job of of getting me back healthy so yeah i mean physically i felt i felt fine out there i have a little bruise on my shin from that slide tackle but other than <laughs> that, everything's everything's intact and everything's feeling good um obviously meant a lot to go out and make an appearance i mean it's not like I said, it's not the way I want to, <laughs> it's not how I want to first uh, make that appearance is subbing on and then, you know, getting ejected from the game and walking back to the, to the showers is n never a happy thing. But um, I think, uh, I think this team has many good moments in store um, and the fans, I mean, have, have been fantastic and have kind of welcomed me with open arms since I signed. So it's uh, yeah, it's been, it's been really great. Uh Along those lines, it, it does feel like uh, you kind of mentioned, you know, that putting the winning together with the rest of the brand. And it does kind of feel like this season, Madison's kind of turned a corner from being a kind of development focused club into a club that wants to win right now. And they're bringing guys like you and guys that have maybe that more experience. Um, is that something you feel in training and, and just meeting with the coaching staff that, that this is we're not learning here, we're winning? Yeah, the, the training, the training environment and like the, from an organizational standpoint and from a mentality and like focus standpoint is, is very, very high and has really impressed me. Like the, I never thought I was going to come in here and just like waltz around the field, with the experience that I do have and like you know, nest, like take over and just like do my thing. Like, no, the, I knew that this was going to be a serious environment. I knew it was going to be um, competitive. I knew it was not going to, I knew my spot was not, not guaranteed. Like I was going to have to work for my spot every day. And um, I think that's the mentality of all the guys in training too. Like no one's spot is safe on this team. Everyone's mm -hmm. grinding every day in training, um, trying to start on the weekend, you know, and that breeds competition and that allows players to push each other and it, it just raises the overall level in training, which, you know, is, is what's going to propel us to, to be ready for games. And so the, the environment has been, the training environment has probably been the most impressive thing so far to me. I'm curious from your perspective, Drew, which players in the locker room are maybe starting to solidify themselves as uh, maybe the quote unquote leaders of the team, because, you know, in years past in a league like USL league one, you would have like those two or three guys with substantial higher level experience who are kind of inheriting that leadership role just because they have that experience. Well, as we've mentioned numerous times with Madison here, almost every single guy on this roster has higher level experience, whether it's USL championship, MLS, you know, first divisions in, in Europe or other countries. So, I mean, who's, who's sort of sta standing out as the leaders and who are guys sort of like turning to um, for, you know, advice or just 
leadership. Yeah, look, right off the bat, you got you got Mitch Osmond, you've got Andrew Wheeler, you've got Eric Leonard. Um, those are the three that kind of that that stick out the most, and those are our, kind of our our you know quote unquote captains. Um, but I think there's a handful of guys that step up in different moments, whether it be in games or training, and um, provide maybe like a different sense of leadership, you know, and um, those three guys have definitely, I think those guys deserve it and they want it. Um, And the the team responds really well to those three guys. Um, But there are a handful, there are a number of others that I think um, are going to step up this year and be really big for us. Uh, speaking of Andrew Wheeler, I'm a new, he, uh, we talked to him. Was that just last week that we had him on? Yeah. Time is, time is still so weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> coming out of the last couple of years. Uh, but, but we asked, we were asking him and some other guys too, about the sort of the difference between the levels in, in domestic football in the United States, between league one championship MLS. And one thing he said that was really interesting to me was that it's not so much the talent level, but it's the, the habits and the off the field day to day stuff is that is that what you find and, and you know can you is there anything specific you can say on those lines and in, in your day-to-day that, that maybe we out here don't know about let, let me give you some like some perspective here so yeah. when in 2016 when i signed for the fire um i went on loan probably the first like five months of my mm-hmm. my first year contract there and i was on loan to st louis which was usl at the time, right? USL yep. championship, I guess. The championship, there was no... Right. To that, it changed in 17, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it was USL. The, the players... Sorry, that's, uh, that's my dog. Myra. Yeah. The... We had five really good... Five or six really good players on that team. Okay. But the drop off in talent was gross, gross. Mm. Like it, mm. and 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 the training environment was awful. Like it was mm. so so bad. Like it was it was so bad that I would have to stay after by myself or go to like the nearest indoor facility and get touches because I just like wasn't getting enough out of it. Almost to the point where I ended up calling the GM of the fire and saying, hey, I know you got me down here to get games, but I, I, I promise you I'll get better tr- just training with, with the first team, with the fire. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, there's a handful of guys from that team that played in MLS or are in USL Championship now, but like to see how far the USL came from 2016 when I was down with St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And look, that's not a knock to like the club or like the fans there. Like they were, it was all awesome. It was just where soccer in America was at in that moment. Mm. It hadn't, there wasn't, there wasn't enough money for guys to want to like, if they weren't in MLS to, to want to play in USL, there wasn't good enough facilities. Like St. Louis was one of the only teams at the time that had a, 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 a fan, a fandom and a following that made games make it feel like a pro game, you know, mm-hmm. if, it, if, I, if I was on loan anywhere else, like Tulsa, I would have maybe quit soccer. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. just the reality of it. And so you look at like that experience that I had at St. Louis, which was one of the top USL teams in 2016. Yep. Fast forward, 
I get back from Czech Republic in 2019 and I go into Indy 11, completely different ballgame. Completely hmm. different ballgame. The accommodations, right? The, the, the housing that the team's providing, the meals that the teams are providing, the salaries that guys are on, the quality of players that they're getting in, the depth in the team, the competition for starting spots blew me away. Completely blew me away. And since then, it's gotten like maybe 20% better. It is the, the, I would say the number, the most positive thing right now for American soccer is the growth of USL. Hmm. And that's USL championship. That's USL one. That's USL two. If you look at how far USL as a whole has come in the last five years, insane. It's Hmm. absolutely insane. And it's, it's only going to get better and it's becoming a more realistic and a more ideal, like perfect, like outcome for guys who want to go and play pro soccer. Now Mm -hmm. it's not make or break MLS. And then you go and you, and you, you know, suffer in the USL. That's not the case. There's USL one teams like Madison here now Mm -hmm. who, who provide, you know, accommodations, decent salaries, amazing like game day support from the fans like there's all those things i was talking about now exists in usl one mm-hmm. that didn't that didn't exist in usl championship in 2017 it just didn't Lou, mm-hmm. louisville was playing on a base in a baseball stadium yeah you know what i mean <laughs> well, omaha still is but okay <laughs> well, right but but i guarantee you that'll change in two or three years it will it will they're, yeah they're, they're building a new stadium pretty soon like it's just headed in such a positive direction so like yeah like it's it's weird when you know like when i look back on that time in st louis like yeah the players were good enough there was a, there was a little bit of a drop-off but like all these things didn't exist and that was a top club at the time fast forward five years six years it's so different man it's so different <clears throat> To, to what do you attribute that? That's really fascinating. That's entirely not the answer I expected. And, and Jeremy and I have talked about this. We've seen just from our outsider amateur fan perspective, uh, just just the game product on Saturdays looks noticeably better, right? Just the competition is better. The talent level is better. This has been all four seasons. Uh, but you're talking even in the day-to-day behind the scenes is that much improved. Why? What, what happened? Is that just... Somebody at U.S. Soccer decided that. Is that USL decided that? Is is that fan support has increased enough that there's enough revenue? Uh, do Do you know what what spurred that improvement? Yeah, I th- look. I think it's the overall like popularity of the game, right? Yeah. I think yeah. there's like these mid major markets, like a city mm-hmm. like Madison, um, where you know maybe it's not it's not big enough to support something like an MLS franchise, but the youth soccer scene is popping off. There's like a ton of people that are really into it. I think, you know, USL like was smart with the way they grew and they were able to like continue generating some sort of profit, you know, the implementation of like the players union, right. Raising that, the, the minimum, right. Continuing to go up. Like, I think that's one point to look at. Like if you look at, you know, the MLS, the, the minimum, I think the year I came in was like 50 grand. I think it's going to be like a hundred next year. Mm-hmm. it's a crazy jump, right? It's a crazy yeah. jump. And yeah. um, the same thing is going to happen with the USL with that minimum going up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I also think it's just like, there's, look, there just aren't as many players able to make the jump from college soccer to MLS right now because there's so much foreign talent coming in. Mm-hmm. And the MLS continues to bend the rules on what, yeah. what you know, designates a, a foreign player, right? Like, yeah, right. There, there were, you know, there were eight foreign players on my Chicago Fire roster that ended up getting their citizenship, and now all of a sudden they count as, like, Americans, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's like – so it may, so now you're getting like these players that play college soccer that aren't because the MLS is going more and more foreign, bringing in more and more talent, spending you know millions on these guys that are coming over. You're getting a drop off of guys that years ago maybe would have made their way into an MLS team or stuck around in the league for a while, and now they're coming to USL. Mm-hmm. And now those USL teams have the money where those guys are going, oh, maybe I don't want to retire and like or go finish my degree or get or sit at a desk. Maybe I do actually want to play soccer and I can live off of this money that they're offering me. Mm-hmm. So like, that's the difference. Whereas like before those teams just didn't have the money to pay those guys that weren't making the bottom of those MLS rosters. Now they can't. And so now the comp, the, the product is getting better. And mm-hmm. because the product is getting better, more fans are coming out and noticing, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's really fascinating. And, uh, uh, <clears throat> a, a bonus, for the listeners, look at the uh, at the business side of things from a guy who's still uh, on the field, which is fantastic. Definitely. But uh, yeah, let's get back onto the field though a little bit. Um, yeah, please. The Matt is uh, you got this. The the thing so far with Matt has been the three at the back, the five, and the two at top. How, how does that uh, fit with the way you play as a midfielder? Um, and, and how how are we going to see you fitting into that formation as you? Um, as you wrap up to full fitness here. Yeah, we play with, with two kind of like six slash eight side by side. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think you could expect me to kind of see in there, uh, see me in there. I've been, you know, kind of a box to box slash holding guy. I've gotten some, I've gotten some minutes in the 10 spot that that's not really my, my jam. Um, So I think you can kind of expect to see me in, in one of those two kind of like box to box slash holding midfield roles that we have. Um, but yeah, the formation's great. And I think, I think it really suits, uh, the players that we have on the roster. Are you a guy that can step into the sixth spot if, if, uh, Andrew is out for a little bit? I know he's, he took quite a knock there in that Minnesota game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, we have, we have a handful of really good midfielders. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's one of our most competitive spots. I mean, you have Andrew, right. Who's solid. You have Kez, um, who's just continued to impress, um, You've got a guy like Alan Torres, who's super young, 19 years old, but mm-hmm. um, is balling out of control. Um, <laughs> and then you have me. So there, there's like a lot of depth and experience. And, and uh, I mean, that's, yeah, we've, we've got that, that position covered for sure. Uh, one of the things, one of the uh, difficulties that's become apparent is uh that became really apparent in the Minnesota game is the the defending of set pieces. Is that something you guys are working on in training? Is that something Neil focuses on as well? In addition to designing your set pieces? Yeah. I mean, look, every time, every time there's a game, we're watching video, right? We're, Mm -hmm. we're looking at Mm -hmm. where things went wrong. I think the coaches like they've been awesome and also kind of taking on that accountability and being like, Hey, we're not, we're not working on this enough. Like we're going to do more of this. You know what I mean? So like, um, there, there's no, like, 
there's no blaming going on here. It's, it's mm. just work. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, of course, of course we've been, we've been working on that. We'll continue to work on that. And, um, yeah, you know, you, you, you let up two set pieces against an MLS team. You, you say, okay, yeah, but it's an MLS team, but, yeah. you know, but, but, you know, if, if we, if we don't let in those goals, it's, it's a tight game. I mean, they didn't score from yep. the run of play. Right. So right, you, right. you, you fix that problem. And then all of a sudden you kind of look at that game and go, could we have, could we have been zero, zero, you know, at full time? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I mean, and you weren't the only team to obviously play an MLS team really, really tight. I mean, you had Omaha and, uh, and uh, Northern Colorado specifically beating MLS teams in the open cup on their way to, you know, further in the tournament. Um, what does that say about the credibility of the league as a whole? And did seeing the, the Omaha upset of Chicago sort of maybe give you guys a little bit more confidence that you would get the job done or just, you know, how, how are you feeling in terms of coming off of that match? Your guys is just competitive level against an MLS team. Also from your perspective being that you've, you know, had substantial time in MLS as well. I mean, it's, it's exactly what we just talked about, right? It's the, it's the growth of USL and Mm -hmm. it's, and it's the, it's the growth of USL and it's like the ignorance of MLS. And I've been, I've been on both sides, both sides of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, if, if we were allowed, if it was legal for me to bet on an open cup game, I would have, I would have bet. Two weeks in it, you know, a week in advance that Omaha would have beat the fire because I knew I knew what the mentality of the Chicago fire would have been going into that game. Who the hell is Union Omaha? They're a mm-hmm. third tier team. I know how many young guys the fire had on that roster. And I know that they were I know that that staff was thinking, oh, well, we'll be OK. We're going to go out. We're going to throw a couple of our homegrowns on the field and we're going to go, you know, tiki taka against Union Omaha. I saw Union Omaha play the week before. I knew that wasn't going to happen. And I knew that um, – I knew how well they they played against us. And I'm looking at our team. I'm looking at their team. And, look, it, this is a great – this Open Cup is a fantastic eye-opener to the people that run MLS clubs, coach MLS mm-hmm. clubs, to MLS fans, um, and should be celebratory for, for USL players and fans. Um, yeah. I remember being on trial with Minnesota United uh, heading into the 2019 season. Our last preseason game, uh, I was with Minnesota, and our last preseason game was against Phoenix Rising. I knew about half the players on Phoenix Rising. These guys on Minnesota, these foreign players on Minnesota, they already think the MLS is is trash, right? <laughs> so what do you think? So what do you think they think? Phoenix Rising is going to be mm-hmm. even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Phoenix Rising came out and bopped us the first forty-five minutes. Like <laughs> that's great. Minnesota didn't touch the ball. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. it's just this mentality of um, some of these teams. I think they're a little bit ignorant to the the level of USL Championship <clears throat> and even certain like USL One teams. Um, and I think they're ignorant to, to how many like. Uh, good domestic players there are in mm-hmm. usl yeah that that have not quite made it into that mls bubble because it's it's really it's really tough to to 
to pop that and get to that level. Mm-hmm. And once you're out, it's even harder to get back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a lot of players now in USL Championship and USL 1 that have MLS experience or have played in at USL Championship for a while. And like you put those guys up against a 19 or 20-year-old who's like getting some of his first minutes for an MLS team, look out. It's exactly yeah. what it's exactly what the Union Omaha and Fire game showed us. Yeah. Uh, conversely, it it seemed from here as if Adrian Heath actually did take you guys seriously. Do you, do you think that's true? And and if if so, what you know, do you take that as a compliment? Yeah. Well, no. I I you know, I'm happy for the USL showings in Open Cup, but yeah. because those upsets happened, it 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 created negative yep. advantage for us. Like yeah, like you guys were going to fly under the radar. It was it was a wake up call to Adrian Heath and their staff, and they said, "Oh yeah. shit, yeah, the, the you know uh, the fire just got beat by Union Omaha. We cannot take this game in Madison lightly. It's going to be shitty weather. We're yeah. playing on turf, and they've got awesome fans that are going to show up in the rain, you know. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, they came in like we did not play their second team by any means. Yeah. Right? That there yeah. were there were six or seven starters out there, and I haven't seen an MLS team put out a roster like that against a USL team, let alone USL one team ever mm-hmm. yeah. that early in the cup. Yeah, for sure. Uh, turning the page, looking ahead, uh, you got a big game Saturday against uh, a new club. That's uh, that maybe their last results or two wasn't what they wanted, but they, they looked pretty hot the first couple of weeks. They just announced a, a massive uh, uh, pedigree head coach, Martin Vasquez. What do you have to do this Saturday to get a win there? And then looking forward again, what do you have to do to uh, actually get strings and wins together and, and, and instead of these draws? Yeah, we just got to We just got to continue to sharpen up. Right. Like I think the set pieces is going to be a big thing and has been mm-hmm. a big thing this week. I think, um, you know, look, coming off, coming off the, the loss against Minnesota and then straight into a tie against Wisconsin, right. With a performance that was just kind of like blah, you want to keep like the energy and the positivity relatively high and you want to keep like the belief there, right. The belief Mm -hmm. that we're, we're headed in a certain direction and we're going to keep, you know, sharpening and we're going to keep pounding away at that. Um, So look, we've, we've got, we've got a great coaching staff. We've got great players Um, practice. The, the, the attitude today um, was excellent and the work rate today was excellent. Um, So we just got to keep focusing on like what, what we're doing. Um, and what we're trying to accomplish on the field. And I think we'll be all right. Drew, one last question for you here. We had mentioned it's been, you know, seven years since you, you left UW Madison and returned. Um, what's different about Madison just from like what stands out. And when you return, like, Oh, that's different. I, that has, that wasn't there before. Or like this, you know, culturally or kind of just things that you've noticed about Madison as a whole, since you returned. Yeah. I felt like, you know, when I, when I lived over like on Langdon street, like I never really crossed over the Capitol to the East side. Like that was just a place I didn't go. It was almost like the, the great beyond. Like I just didn't, <laughs> the world was flat. It just kind of like fell off right there. Dropped you know? off. <laughs> yeah. It just dropped off right there. Um, I mean, dude, it, it's, it's grown a lot. I think there's a lot of like new restaurants, um, new bars. Like there's just a lot more going on. I never, I don't know if I ever like saw myself like living in Madison after school. And now I've kind of found myself in this position where I'm like, 
I think I like, like just living here. Like, this is great. You know, this is great. Um, I've found a lot of like cool new spots. And I mean, obviously I just, I just have such a soft spot for Madison in general, man. It's such a beautiful city. And, um, God, I just can't wait till summer. I don't know what today, I don't know what was up with today, like how cold it was, but yeah, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for that good weather. And, um, no, it's been fantastic. Like the, the team coming in, I think the location of breeze is like, it's like perfect. You know, like it's, it's nice mm-hmm. having like a stadium that's so centralized. Um, it's like close to like, it's close to bars fans. Like I love, I love waking up on game day and it's, you know, the game starts at 6 PM and like, I, it's like 10 AM and I see fans in like a Ford Madison Jersey, like that, yeah. that's really special. Um, and that's not something that I've been experienced in Chicago, like with the fire, you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like yeah. to, to feel that support and to kind of have like the community behind this team, it, it, it makes it all worth it, man. Well, when you're playing all the way out in Bridgeview, it's tough to see people in. Uh, I don't want to talk. Don't get, don't get me started. I spent a lot of time in the Chicago area as well. So I just, yeah, it's, yeah, it was not a good setup. Anyways. Uh, Drew Connor, thank you, man. We appreciate the time. Sorry for uh, indirectly bringing up some bad memories for you there at the end. I apologize. <laughs> no, uh, no worries. No worries. Uh, thank you, Drew. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, See thanks, you guys. Big thanks again to Drew Connor. One of my favorite interviews. I mean, I, I've loved all the interviews that we've done. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna play play favorites. But that was definitely <laughs> one of my favorite interviews that we have done. Such uh, candor about the behind yeah. the scenes about the way USL has, has grown and, and how it's um, really positioning domestic football in this country for the future. Yeah. I, I loved everything he had to say about that. Absolutely. It's rare to get a perspective like his. On yeah. That. So uh, right. really cool right. he was able to provide that. All right. Shout out time. I will kick things off this week. Um, Phil Brano gets my first shout out. I already kind of talked about it earlier when talking about the Minnesota United match, but um, a, a couple big saves to keep things scoreless at the time, um, to keep the Mingos in it within striking distance. Um, and then obviously, you know, you give up two set piece goals, that's water under the bridge, tough, mm-hmm. tough to, uh, fault him for either of those, to be honest. Uh, I just think an all in all impressive performance, everything you could want from your goalkeeper, um, in that match. You know, if, if you were to talk before the match, okay, this is what we're going to need from Phil Barino to be in this one and have a chance to win. He provided you every bit of that. Yep. Um, so can't can't say anything, you know, can't, can't say enough good things about him and his performance specifically there. Uh, my first shout-out goes to the man right in front of him, Eric Leonard, as we mentioned. Uh, absolutely uh, wildly <laughs> wild def- defending against Minnesota United. Um, he was sliding. He was charging. He was jumping. He was uh, clearing. Uh, he was like snuffing mm-hmm. out crosses that could have led to – chances he was blocking yep. shots uh he was pretty fearless in there that which is you know you're up against the mls side and you try not to be intimidated but to be completely fearless against that lineup the way eric was is really really impressive so uh big shout out to him and he's he and phil together <coughs> excuse me are really you talk about you know, not letting up a goal in the run of play that's down to eric and, and phil and, and the guys next to him so great job eric yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, for my money, he was one of the three best players on the pitch, yeah, including Minnesota in that mm-hmm. match. So, um, excellent work. Um, Abdul Mbake Chiam gets my second shout out. 
Um, scored one in the friendly against UW Madison, probably should have had another in the second half, uh, whisker wide, um, on that one, but good to see him getting on the score sheet. Um, hopefully it can, uh, lead to some, uh, you know, some, some good things moving forward for him. He's been working hard. He's been getting chances. Um, hopefully seeing one going in the back of the net will provide him a little bit more confidence moving forward. Yep. Sounds good. Here's hoping. My second shout out is off the field, Omar Palacios and, uh, La Barra 608, the, the, um, the sort of the Latino focused supporters group is out with their jersey for this year, and it is oh my uh, damn fine looking shirt. I, I ordered yes. one for myself and one for each of my kids because they were they were like, yes, please. It's got the serape <laughs> style serape style sash, and then it's got the the little pinstripes. I don't know. I had never heard of this, but but there's these ancient um, formations in Peru where like ancient indigenous people like carved these massive animals into the desert floor. And one of them is a flamingo. So nice. this this fantastic ancient flamingo formation is the pinstripes on this jersey. And it is fire. And you can still buy them to the end of the month, till the 30th. So you have a couple more days. And $20 of every purchase goes to support Dreamers of Wisconsin, which is a statewide organization supporting um, DACA students. Uh, and yeah. uh, uh, so it's for a good cause also. But it's a, it's a, it's a nice looking shirt, you guys. And that 20 bucks that's going towards that is most, mm-hmm. if not all of the profit that Labara would oh, be yeah, making yeah, off of sure, that jersey sure. too. Yep. Um, so yeah, definitely go out and support that cause if you have the opportunity and get yourself a, a really nice looking jersey mm-hmm. in the process. It took every bit of my uh, my willpower to not hit the buy button right <laughs> away, but um, I've, uh, I've, I've spoken to the powers that be in this household and I think we're actually going to get it done. So nice. uh, we're going to get that one over the line, which I'm really excited about. Uh, my third and final shout out is not Mingo related, but it is Wisconsin related. Mm-hmm. Uh, Racing Zone, Jesse Marsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, what more can you say about the job he has done since taking over at Leeds United? Um, brought them out of the relegation zone. They're unbeaten in their last five. Um, really crucial result against Crystal Palace over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Stay out of the relegation zone. Um, and yeah, it looks like they're going to stay up. And uh, just really, really good. I mean, that was, this a, was a club that was dead in the water yeah. when Marsh arrived. There was a reason why there was a managerial change. Um, and uh, he, I don't know if it's just his injection of life or if it was tactical or what it was, but um, since he has come aboard, they have sort of had a new lease on life and mm-hmm. um, it looks like they will stay up in the prem for and, 2023. And they said, fun. and they said premier league was too big for him. Uh, he, I mean, what a job he has done. Yeah. Uh, my final shout out is to our friends from the North Minnesota United and Wonderwall and the the Bucket Hat Brigade and everybody that came down. They had a they had a vocal, a pretty good size and very vocal section, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the rain uh, and supporting the, the their club and and they were genuinely after the match they were genuinely, you know, how our, our guys you know do the high fives along the flock and and then walk along the stands and, and the, the folks from Minnesota were genuinely telling him like you guys played great you know uh yeah. giving showing our guys some respect uh then in the we had a little post-game press conference and Adrian Heath was doing his zoom with the Minnesota press and uh, as he was doing that Matt and um Eric Leonard and uh Jeremiah String came in and we're just kind of waiting off to the side till Adrian was done and Adrian finished up and actually walked through all of us in the press to go shake hands again with Matt and with Eric and with Jeremiah That's and, awesome. you know, he didn't have to do that. Uh, but you know, they, they, not only did he take this match seriously and preparing for it, 
but he had some nice things to say about Madison and, and he showed that respect after the game. So uh, shout out to Minnesota United, their whole organization, complete, you know, total, total class all around for this match. Yeah. And the, the supporters specifically, anytime that, you know, you host a team at Allianz field and their supporters come and they talk about their interaction with the wonder wall mm-hmm. and the Minnesota United mm-hmm. supporters, it's always positive feedback. It's always friendly. It's always cheerful. Um, you know, the loons traveling contingent is one of the best in MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it every week. The hashtag is loons over Philadelphia loons over <laughs> you know, Chicago loons over yeah. Kansas city, you know, whatever it is. And there's always a good contingent that makes the trip for those matches and the way they, they mingle and get together with, you know, other supporters groups and just have that, you know, soccer community, um, yeah. is really, really cool. And obviously the one with the, you know, Ford Madison, I mean, just, it just, you know, that, that kinship is still there. Obviously, oh, yeah. got a little chippy on the pitch at times, um, as yes. you would imagine in a in a yep. high leverage uh, match like that, a yep. highly competitive match with the the conditions being what they were. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you definitely tell the respect level from both sides is there for one another, and um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a friendly brotherhood almost. And brothers do yeah. fight sometimes, but uh, <laughs> it's, all, it's all respect at the end of the day. So yep, absolutely. All right, Rob, bring it home with the fun fact. All right, we have a first. Uh, we've had in the past, obviously, we've had some former Mingos play in MLS, right? But they were loans from other clubs. We had uh, several loanees from Minnesota United, Dane St. Clair, Wyatt Olmsberg, uh, Carter Manley, who have gone on to play or have returned to their home clubs and played in MLS. Mm-hmm. But we've never had a, a guy that we signed first, then move up the ladder to the MLS until this past weekend. Noah Fusan, who was we had on the show last year, uh, yep. over the off season, he and Michael Bang, another former Mingo, both signed for Columbus Crew Two. And over the weekend, Noah Fusan got loaned from Columbus Crew Two to Columbus Crew, and he was he didn't appear in the match yet. He hasn't appeared in the match yet, but he was on the bench for the Crew's uh, match on Saturday, and uh, <clears throat> I. I was just really excited to see that. That was the only reason I would ever watch Columbus Crew was to see if Noah came in the game. Uh, but it was really cool. And I don't know if it's related to the fact that they just uh, traded Zardis. I don't know. I have to imagine it would. I think they're missing a little, like uh, just a, a slot on the attacking yeah. portion of the roster yeah. right now. So obviously Noah Fusan is the next Jaddy Zardis is what we can glean from that. Boom. Love it. Yep. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's solidify that. The next Jaddy Zardis. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe he makes the national team and plays a little bit better than, than <laughs> so, uh, maybe just maybe. Okay. All right. Anyways, I'm done with that. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening, supporting, following us, and interacting with us on social media. Everything you guys have done to help support what we do it really it really means a lot. Um, love having those conversations with you guys, and we hope you enjoy the podcast we bring you each and every week because we enjoy doing it. He's Rob Chappell from Madison 365. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Thank you guys so much. And again, we will catch you next week for another edition of Talking Fly. Enjoy the match this weekend. See you.